Welcome to the Avance Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Nick. How's it going, man? Doing good. Uh, I wasted most of lunchtime. I took about an hour off at lunch today to uh, play the new Forza <laughs> rally. Uh, <laughs> epic, epic. I'm not I'm not a video gamer, but it reminds me so much of Colin McRae rally. I mm-hmm. think people are going to love it. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Looks very cool. It, Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm, like I said, I'm not a big gamer, but I was like, uh, like I, it was to the point where I was like, I need to turn this off and go back to work. <laughs> like, so, yeah. Well, special thanks to all our friends at Turn 10 and yeah. Forza. Uh, Megan, a previous guest. Many previous guests. Uh, yeah. Alan. It's going to be good. I'll yep. tell you. If, you, if you. if you don't own it, go out and get it, cause, uh, especially if you're a fan of Rally. So, yeah. yeah. Very cool expansion. Yeah. Oh, let's see here. Shop's going well. Got the some insulation hung. Found some more insulation. Okay. What do you mean, found some more insulation? Well, I've been trying to, like, piece it out because it's expensive you know oh okay oh I, you mean oh you i thought you mean you like went to the store and found some more no i found a, a supplier like a wholesale supplier oh, okay you so, didn't just like find some that was there no okay, no no, no. It. Right, so it was right. like you know i budgeted like 2500 bucks just for insulation and i found a wholesale supplier i can get it for like a thousand bucks so oh, nice. you just gotta dig deep when you're doing these big projects and you're doing them yourself so How'd you find that I just started searching Reddit for wholesale suppliers people were using um, and found somebody who said, hey, I found a, uh, a warehouse, like a big box warehouse down in Auburn that will actually sell it to you at wholesale. Very cool. Yeah. Right. Took a little uh, finagling with the paperwork, but I got it. I'll tell you more about that later. Okay. I Interesting stuff. Okay. <laughs> Are you now a big I'm box? I'm incorporated. Oh, there it is. Okay. That is. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I was, yeah. like, I was like, are you a business, Dan? Okay. I am a business. Got it. Okay. Fair enough. I'm yeah. the president. Yeah, fair. President, CEO. I'm not only a president. I'm also a client. Oh, I say I'm president, CEO, head of janitorial, head That's of maintenance. Right. Yeah. So, oh, anyway. Yeah. Um, speaking of working in the shop, we did a good, uh, we helped our, well, we did the rear rotors. Like, we had help from Megan, previous guest, yes. and we did brake rotors on the back of the Audi S3. And um, some brought it, it brought me to our Carter Automotive Group tip of the week this week, and that was when to use anti-seize and when not to use anti-seize. Basically, um, and like we keep these light. You can go deep on here, and if you want to, write us. We'll tell you all about it. But uh, basically, the most the most important time to use anti-seize is when you're joining two unlike metals. Think of a steel bolt into an aluminum brake caliper or an exhaust manifold, something that gets really, really hot and expands and contracts. Those are the main reasons you want to use antifreeze and anti-seize. In this case, we're talking about the brake rotor to the hub. Because, you know, we hit, as the usual part of taking a brake rotor from a hub is a large sledgehammer, an air hammer, yes. a, bra- uh, a pulley puller, a three-jaw or four-jaw puller even, and a hydraulic press, um, and a lot of swearing. So if you bunch, if you take off your rotors, put a bunch of anesthesia in there. I couldn't how much Megan swore. That was just, I know. Un, you know. You can't do a brake job without swearing. Wow. It's just part of it. She didn't even hit her hand. No, okay. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when not to use anti-seize, spark plugs for one, <laughs> big one, which you'd think, I mean, F-150 owners may argue with that because they're the ones that notoriously get seized and break off in the head. That's always fun. Uh, and the other time is on lug nuts. Um, one thing people don't know about anti-seize is it's called a torque multiplier. You're taking all the resistance from that thread, which means it's gonna you're gonna over torque your lugs by about twenty five percent if you coat them in anti seize. That just makes the wheels stay on better. You're right. Yeah. Totally. For good. So even when you're using aluminum lugs on a steel stud, you still don't want to use anti-seize on them. Especially with aluminum lugs, which are only torqued about eighty five to eighty six foot pounds as it is, which is usually lower than stock, so word of warning there. But yeah, those are the times that people usually use it in the wrong way. But hmm. hot and cold and Brake rotors and suspension components. That was one of the hardest things I'm trying to find is is the lug, uh, the how much torque I should put on the lugs on my wheels. A lot of times it's hard to find, even in the owner's manuals and things like that, because they don't want you necessarily doing that, so they don't put that information in. When in doubt, 90 to 100 foot pounds on your average passenger car, six lug trucks is going to be higher typically. You know, bigger you go, the more torque you need. 
Um, let's see, what else with those? I think that's pretty much it. Oh, yeah, and don't use anti-seize in the back of your brake pads. That's not, not the same thing. Anti-squeal is not anti-seize. They're different compounds. They're different things. So. Spelled differently. I get they're, it. Yeah. yeah. The same yeah. but different. Yeah. No, they're not the same, and they're yeah. very different. Anyway, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that is your Carter Automotive Group Tip of the Week. We have a very special guest this week who, from what I read in the Avance magazine, actually taught herself to work on cars and now works on them all the time in spite of her dad being very much a car enthusiast and a big influence in her life. Bree Lynch, welcome to the show. We've been really excited to catch up with you. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And it's your car on the cover of the latest issue of the Avance magazine. It is. It is. It's my Dotson. Her name is T, but it's T the Z. Even though she's a Z. <laughs> T the Z. I like it. Makes sense. It rhymes. You go with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Tell us a little bit about that car. Oh, man. Well, it's a 1977 Datsun 280Z. Um, and honestly, it's pretty i would say period correct but that's just because i haven't gotten my hands on it too much yet um the only thing that i've really gotten to do to the car so far is just upgrade from the drum brakes to disc brakes all the way around i got to change the wheels on the car because i had to after i put the disc brakes on the car um and uh, i have quite a few plans for the car so far but they haven't actually been set in motion just because i think a lot of these things are going to take a lot of time uh, just because of the things that I want to do to it. But um, the car's got a pretty cool story, which you can read about in the magazine now that it's released, which is like really exciting. Yeah, the photos in it turned out uh, fantastic. Not just of the car, but of you as well. Um, you have quite nice. the story. Uh, so Bree's been riding since she was three, and we know your dad had a very large role in your automotive passion. Uh, and he is a Hollywood stunt driver, just like you. Um, tell us more. I mean, I said, you were riding when you were three. I started when I was four, so you went up to me even. Um, and I thought I'd been riding a long time. Very cool. But so, how, what's a, what, we, it's in the magazine, but I think it's a good story. What prompted the change from riding motocross to driving? Oh, man. Yeah, so I started riding motocross when I was three years old, and then I started racing when I was six years old. Um, because before my dad was a stunt driver in Hollywood, he was actually a professional motocross racer. Up until 1996, when he realized that I was going to be born and I was his first kid. And he was like, I need something where I probably won't get hurt at a moment's notice. So I guess he thought that uh, so driving cars. Driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. he thought that I... driving cars and flipping them over was safer than riding a motorcycle, which in turn, it is. You know, because like you can kind of plan big... ahead, you know, yeah. where you're going to crash. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Okay, yes. fair enough. And a yeah. car, you have a big metal cage around you and a seat belt on, you know, like standard little safety things versus like a motorcycle, <laughs> you're just on it. And you're like, well, <laughs> hopefully, you know, nobody crashes into me because even if they do, it's I'm, I'm dead pretty much. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so he decided to make the switch over from riding motocross to being a stunt driver. He was already kind of like, I think, had his toes in the water for stunt driving, but he just wasn't full-fledged you know immersed in it just because he was like oh, i already you know riding motocross and i own a body shop and this and that so um i think it wasn't something that he necessarily like chased down until he realized that i was going to be born um because you know you can only ride motocross professionally for so long before you're kind of like out of the game because you're quote unquote too old you know what i mean um from a professional racing standpoint that is anyway so uh, yeah, so once he found out that he was going to have his first kid, I guess he was really excited and obviously hoped for a boy so he could, like, teach him how to ride motocross. And uh, he didn't get one. So I was like, I'm here to fill the spot anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, my dad just kind of, I guess, decided that he was just going to teach me what he knew. He's like, 
this is what I know how to do. And if I want to teach my kids something, I'm just going to teach them what I know. Maybe she'll grasp, grasp onto it. And I did. Um, but that's, I think, just because I like my dad so much. I thought he was the coolest. So I was just like wanting to do anything that he did. And uh, yeah, I grasped onto motocross pretty quickly when I was like three. That's when I got my first dirt bike. And then um, I think as I got older and I was just like comprehending more information, I realized how much the sport meant to him because it was something that he had to give up. And so uh, I was like, I'm going to try to fill that spot for him. And then <laughs> I tore my ACL like three times in a time span of four years before I even graduated high school, which was not fun. Yeah. And ACL ow, is like ow. one of the biggest ligaments in your knee, not to get confused with like bones, you know, because obviously some of the biggest bones in your body are like your femur and stuff like that. But your ACL is one of your biggest ligaments in your knee. And it's a major surgery. A lot of football players go through it. Um, and it takes like six months to heal to the point where you're like walking around normally and like not really getting sore. Um, but it takes about nine months to heal completely. So you can be like running and everything again. Um, but my knees still hurt when it rains. So <laughs> ah, yeah, three yeah. times is brutal. Three really times brutal. in four years. I spent most of my life in high, my, most of my high school quote unquote career on crutches, which was horrible. I went to prom on crutches twice. <laughs> Okay. Yep. I'm sure you had some good stories on how you got there. So, I mean, that still counts. Yeah, I mean, it <laughs> yeah. was better than, like, falling down the steps and breaking my ankle, you know? Like, at least they were kind of cool, but, like, still kind of sucked, you know? And my poor dad. I'm honestly, you know what, though? I'm glad that I had all those surgeries before I had to be on my own health insurance because now I'm 26 and I have to be very careful because I don't want to have to pay for that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? How do you even go about getting health? Is there like a stunt driver's plan that you guys are all on that you know, allows you to even get insurance? Yeah. So like because I'm in this union, which is called SAG-AFTRA, Screen Actors Guild. Um, yeah. I don't know what AFTRA stands for. Please don't ask me. But um, SAG-AFTRA <laughs> is our union. And so I guess there's like different like, I don't know, there's like different like tiers of the health benefits that you get. And like you have to be able to qualify for your health benefits every year. Um, but luckily for me, I've been on the same health insurance since I was a kid because my dad qualified for his SAG after health insurance. And then by the time that I turned 26, which was this year, like literally past June, I was like, I don't know how this works. They were like, it's literally the exact same thing that you've dealt with your entire life, except now you pay the bill. And I was like, nice. Thanks for that. <laughs> Love that for me. So now I just, you know, put my stuff on auto pay and I was like, all right, well, you know, Hopefully I don't get hurt. Adulting is fun. <laughs> Adulting is so fun. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like, you know, I've been paying my own copay forever, but uh, yeah, it's been interesting. That's for sure. Well, you've had no lack of serious work. I mean, starting I, all the way back with Creed and that was a motorcycle stunt, right? It was. Creed? Yeah. yeah. Yep. I actually went back and had to rewatch that great movie, like legitimately. So I was like, <laughs> I'm I haven't honestly seen sad. any of them yet. I need to, it's on my list. It's just, you know, there's so many things like, keep coming out and then, you know, yeah. 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 Uh, I just saw the most recent one and I was like, dang, man, I could have been a part of that. But like they didn't put any motorcycles or cars in there. So what would I be doing there? <laughs> you know what I mean? Time to learn to fight. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, because I'll tear my ACL the second that I stand up. So don't ask me to do that. <laughs> Seems a little tricky. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but you I mean you have quite the uh, IMDb resume to say the least. Uh, I mean, probably most notably recently is the latest Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Um, saw you in the makeup on your on the the, the outfit and on the Instagram. Very very oh, yeah. cool. And talk about great car stunts in that movie. Great action in general. But um, 
how was that call? <laughs> you know, to be honest, uh, that was a that was a tough one. They asked me to shave my head at least six times, and I kept telling them no. Um, and then I basically had to sit in hair and makeup every day for two and a half hours to get the bald cap and the tattoo like that goes on the girl's head um, every single day. And then by the end of the movie, I was like, I actually kind of don't hate myself bald. I cannot tell you the amount of dirty looks that I got for that comment. Because <laughs> they, you know, they asked me to shake my head multiple times. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm not doing it, you know. I mean, my Instagram name is Helmet Hair, for God's sake. I was just like, going to say. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, no, it's like a whole part of my personality. I can't do that. Um, so, yeah, so that was definitely a, a funny comment of mine at the end of the movie. But it was a very, like, honestly, that movie was really stressful because we were kind of filming it, like, towards the tail end of COVID. And so we kept getting shut down because we would have, like, a COVID case on set all the time. And the problem was, is, like, they don't book us necessarily like you don't get paid regardless just because somebody told you oh you're gonna work from this day to this day like it, if you don't if if the production gets shut down you just don't get paid so i'm always like oh, okay that's cool and the problem was is they kept pushing it over and over and over because we kept having covid cases for some reason so sometimes i'd be like home all the way packed ready to go i had a flight that night and then they're like ah we had a covid outbreak we can't do it now sorry we'll talk to you in three weeks and i'm like I literally could have accepted other work. You know what I mean? So it was a, it was a little bit of a rough year just with like scheduling with them, but like being on the first Black Panther meant so much to me after I realized the impact that that movie had and the yeah. fact that they offered me to work on the second movie and it was kind of like um it was really difficult with scheduling because they were kind of like we were you're the only girl that we had to do this and I was like, "Oh gosh, that's a lot of pressure." No pressure. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Okay, you know, so, um, yeah, that one was a lot. It was a lot. I was really happy that we got that shoot done just because scheduling was like constantly such a conflict, you know, it was just so difficult to get everybody where they needed to be at one time and for us to not have COVID on set, you know? Um, yeah, so that was a rough one, but, uh, filming the movie, I feel like was a lot harder on me mentally than the first time, which is crazy because the first time let me let me rewind a little bit back to whatever the first one was, maybe 2016 or 17, I think, mm -hmm. when we were filming that. Um, I was in college at the time because I thought that I could be a great college student and be a stunt driver at the same time. Newsflash, <laughs> cannot do that. Cannot do that. It was very difficult because I was really busy. Um, and the first Black Panther we actually filmed in South Korea. Yeah. Yeah. First one was in South Korea, and we like actually went there, and we were like actually there the whole time. Um, and, uh, that was the biggest movie I had ever worked on biggest opportunity I'd ever had at that time in my career. And, um, I literally had a person on top of my car throughout the entire car chase of that movie. And my dad was so stressed. I had never seen that man so skinny in my entire life because, you know, every night he was watching me like, you know, on set with this girl on top of my car. And he's like, my daughter is literally in this car chase with like 12 other drivers like perfect like these people are have been working in the industry longer than i've been alive you know he's like and they're flying down these streets of south korea where the pedestrians do not understand what we're saying to them you know like just the local foot traffic don't understand what we're saying to them because they don't speak korean and they don't speak english so it's just like you know it's really stressful um but anyway after i realized the impact that the first movie had the first one i had no idea what i was working on i was just like whatever this like Black Panther thing. I wasn't like a Mar I'm not into like Marvel and stuff, you know? So I was like, whatever this is, okay, whatever. So I worked on the movie. And then when I realized how much like 
buzz the movie got and how big of a deal it was once I got contacted for the second one I was like oh I kind of wish you wouldn't have told me what I was working on you know like I kind of <laughs> wish you would have just like used a code name and not told me what we were doing here you know because I had so much more pressure on me I was like dang now I know what this movie like like does for people you know especially like for like the younger African-American kids where we don't get like represented in movies and in media like that I was like oh my god I better not screw this up you know I was just like this is a lot of pressure well you didn't there was an epic car chase both, both times you so. know what I actually there's this one little tiny part in Wakanda Forever that like drives me nuts a little tiny bit and I said it the day that we filmed it I, there was a scene where we were like in this um in this warehouse, right? And the car basically has to do a 180. Like, so it's like yeah. one in one direction, does a 180, goes out the other direction, drives through this garage door. Sick scene, like so sick. Yep. Drives through this garage door. I'd never gotten to crash through a door before, so that was exciting. Crashes through <laughs> the door. Um, I'm getting shot at as I'm literally exiting the building, you know, after I crash through the door and stuff. Getting shot at, literally drift around this corner. And then um, I drift around a second corner. So first I make a right out of that building and then I made a left. And the garage door, let me tell you, this garage door, the way it broke, there was a giant piece of the garage door that got stuck between my passenger side of my windshield and the mirror. And it just lodged itself on there and got stuck and just stayed like that throughout both corners that I drifted. And I was like, I can't see. So I felt like my slides were not like as big and bold as they could have been. But I was like, okay, I can like live with how the car looks. It's fine. But that door looks stupid. I was like, that looks <laughs> dumb on the car. I wish it would have broken. And we had a second door to crash through. And so I thought we were going to get to do it again. And the director was like, no, that was great. Like, I'm happy. We can go home early. And I was like, please. I was like, no. <laughs> Let me do it again. <laughs> I was like, pour the door or something. I don't care. That looks so dumb. I hate it. He's like, no, it's going to look great. I was like, oh, my God. So now every time I watch that scene, I like want to cry a little bit because the door didn't cooperate. But it's fine. It well, turned out fine. That's not your fault. I was going <laughs> to say, it kind of adds to the authenticity a bit. I, guess I mean, so. I mean, you know. That, uh, that wasn't all just one shot throughout the whole movie? I thought it was just live action. No. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to go back and watch it because I did not notice that. So. I remember yeah. when I used to think like that. And then yeah. I worked on set for the first time and they made me do the same thing like 30 times in a row. And I was like, wow, how do you even keep track of what, you're, what you wanted? Like, how do you even know? We had um, – so it, I had a C7Z06 and we used it for a Forza commercial. And uh -huh. Ken Gushi was the stunt driver. And Ooh. he comes in. And they wanted to do a, a rolling burnout, but they wanted to use an extreme slow-mo shot of the wheel and just the wheel. That's all they wanted. And they did that shot until the cords were flying off the tires over and over and over and over oh, yeah. and over. And I'm like, they're like, we'll get you a new set of tires. I was like, thanks. Still have yeah. to get home. I have to go home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the they didn't fry tires, the clutch. Those are no joke, dude. I just got a C7 pretty recently. Those tires are like $500 a piece. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I don't want to get a flat. I really don't want to run over a nail because that's not going to be fun. <laughs> no, it's not. No. So tell me, uh, uh, Dan and I are, are children of the 80s and, and grew up on, you know, Dukes of Hazard and, and Knight Rider and, and all the coolest stunts. How does one become a stunt driver? Even if your dad is in the industry, like, 
What do you do to do that? Because, I mean, I've always wanted to drive through a door and be shot at. I mean, not in real life, but, you know, it's just, <laughs> right. you know, so I would, I'm, I'm, look, I'm sitting there thinking, I'd love to drive through a door and have a door wedged between my mirror. I mean, it'd be cool. Yeah. I'm not, I can't drift, so I would have screwed it <laughs> yeah, up. And we don't have the skills, drove it off but a we dock, would like to do it yeah, anyway. I mean, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> People probably would have noticed if I was driving in Wakanda forever, too. So, um, <laughs> you know, well, yeah. who's the fat white guy? Oh, my God, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, for me, the easy answer is nepotism, right? That's everybody's favorite word with me. Uh, they love to put sparkles around it and make it sound like, oh, no, it's okay. You still got to earn it. So. Yeah, exactly. Okay, listen, yeah. that's exactly where I'm getting with this. Yep. Because, like, even though nepotism did play a big part in where I am in my career today, I still have to drive the car, which for some reason people tend to forget I don't really know why people don't realize that like I still have to be able to do what people are asking me to do and not crash the car, you know? So that's like a big problem that we kind of face in the industry because the nepotism kids get a lot of like a lot of crap for that, honestly. Like they're like, oh, well, you're just doing this because your parent does it and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, but like I still can't mess up when I go to work and I still have to do a really good job for somebody to call me back or else they'll just call my parents to do it instead you know what I mean so um that's something that we face like a lot and we get a lot of slack for that but uh I think as a another person that does not have a parent that's in the industry it's a difficult industry to get into but not nearly as much anymore just because we have this pretty little thing called the internet um and if you have a very specific talent like somebody will find you to be honest like all you have to do is just be really good at what you're doing and get it in front of the right set of eyes and somebody will find you I know like there's plenty of motorcycle riders and stuff that I've met that are like oh yeah it's my first day on set like I've never worked on a movie and like on a movie set before and it's because they have a very specific skill set on a motorcycle that they couldn't find a stunt performer to be able to do or maybe we do have a stunt performer that could do it but they're out of town because they're booked and busy or maybe they're not doing that kind of thing anymore. You know what I mean? Like for a long time, I know my dad actually got this one guy in the industry because um, he's very similar description to my dad. He's like my brother. I love that guy. But uh, he's a very similar description to my dad. And my dad specifically said that he was not going to crash motorcycles anymore. He'll still take motorcycle work, but he didn't want to crash motorcycles anymore. I think it was when my dad turned like 50 or something. Um, and that went out the window pretty quick. That lasted for like two years and now he's back to crashing bikes. But um, <laughs> basically my dad told the stunt coordinator, he's like, yeah, I'm down to come out to, I think it was like Columbia or something and do this job, but I'm not crashing. He's like, so I'm just going to bring this other guy that'll do all the crashing parts and I'll do everything else. And he was like, okay, cool. Sounds good. And so basically that guy ended up getting accounted for. That's how he got Taff Hartley into the business. And now he works like all the time. That's so cool. I mean, I and again, I know very little about the movies. And you were talking about stunt coordinators. Do you when you, when you're hired to do something like like Wakanda or whatever, and you come in and they give you a car, do you set it up? Do you get to set up the car, or are they giving you the car already set up? <laughs> what is set up? Oh my lord! No, nothing is set up for us. We get bone stock cars ninety percent of the time. We don't even know if the brakes work on the car, and a lot of times <laughs> you get there and they're like, hey uh you're gonna be you know we're gonna have you start working in about 10 minutes or whatever you can come out of your trailer now now that you're dressed in your outfit for the day right so they're like come out of your trailer come check out the car right a lot of the times i get in a car if it's like an old car like a el camino or something the bench seat doesn't even slide 
I'm like, that's great. I can't even reach the pedals right now. And they're like, do you have a moving blanket? I'm like, oh my lord. You know, <laughs> so I'll just stick the moving blanket behind me and like, you know, try to strap myself to it as much as I can. Sometimes the cars don't have seatbelts. Like these cars are not prepped or ready to go by any means. Um, and uh, a lot of the times we just have to work with what we're given, which is, I think, what a lot of people don't realize. Because a lot of like, especially being a person that like builds and races drift cars, a lot of my friends that drift are like, I want to be a stunt driver because I can do what you guys do, but better. And I'm like, first of all, we don't have angle kits on the car when we go to work, okay? Because I can look a lot more sick on the track than I can at work because I work in a spin out because I don't have the car set up the way that it should be set up to do what they're asking me to do. Um, but uh, yeah, like the cars aren't set up for that. A lot of the times, like they, they for, listen, I worked on Batwoman, okay? On Batwoman season two in Canada for like nine months. And I got to drive a C7 Corvette. That was the Batmobile. It was so cool. I was like, oh my God, Corvette, so easy to slide. I get there and the Corvette is an automatic. I was like, fantastic. Even better, there's a parking button for the parking brake. I was going to ask you about uh, yep. all the nanny stuff on the new cars, especially like, because like Lexus was a big part of Wakanda forever and, yeah. and, and Black Panther, right? Like, mm-hmm. And those cars are, I mean, those are not meant Super to do nanny. things. Yeah. 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 Correct. Yes. So fuse, fuse, fuse. Yeah, pretty much. I'm like, yeah. pop the hood and I'm going to look this up on YouTube and see if I can figure something out really quick. <laughs> Which is honestly like where my mechanic skills come in handy. That's a big part of the reason why I learned how to work on cars is because it helps me a lot at work. And it gains me a little bit of respect too. Like when I can like get my hands dirty and like figure something out because the car prep guy is too busy doing something else or like, you know, whatever. If I can like help and actually communicate what's going on with real terminology it's a lot better than me being like, I don't know why the car feels funny when I turn to the right. You know what I mean? They're like, what do you mean it feels <laughs> yeah. funny? And I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, we don't have time for this. You just have to drive it. I'm like, okay, cool. You know what I mean? Versus I can be like, uh, this is probably what's wrong with it. Or it feels like it's a lower control arm. Or it feels like this is about to happen. You know what I mean? Like, it's a little bit faster for us to get to the point. <clears throat> um <laughs> It feels like Lexus made this car to drive to the supermarket, not out a door. <laughs> no, honestly, no, no. Honestly, the Lexus are a lot faster than I anticipated them being. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. Torquey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I see what you're doing with this Lexus. Um, but yeah, so thankfully with, you know, when we have a big, big car chase, it depends on the budget of the film. The, um, what is the word I'm looking for? I think like the stubbornness of the coordinator too, because the coordinators are the ones that end up in all of those big meetings with all the numbers and everybody like pencil pushing and stuff. It depends on the coordinator because if the coordinator is a driver and the coordinator understands what is being asked of us. Like I have this one coordinator that I've worked for multiple times. He was actually um, the stunt driver for the blue car. The black Panther was on top of in the first one. His name is Jeremy Fry. Mm. Love working for this guy. Okay. Cause he's a fantastic driver. Phenomenal. And he understands exactly what it is that I need. So he was our second unit coordinator on Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So he knows exactly what I need because when they're setting up this car chase, they're like, oh, we want the car to slide around the corner like this. And then we want this and that and blah, 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 blah. He's like, the car needs this, 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 and this. And this is how much money we need to be able to do it before she even gets here. Because if she gets here and we don't have this stuff done, you guys are not going to have a fun time on set. So I'm trying to save you guys money by not having to do this a million times on set. Also, I need her to have time to rehearse with this car prior. You know what I mean? But 
there's other stunt coordinators that I've worked for where driving isn't their specialty. And so they don't understand that kind of thing. And it's not their fault. It's just the driving's not their specialty. That's like you asking me to set up a fight. I'm like, I don't right. do that like that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, that's yeah. not really my thing. If somebody asked me to stunt coordinate a fight, I'd be like, okay, I can try, you know? Um, so yeah, when you get yeah. a, a driver that's a coordinator, that helps out so, so much. Um, and then also they have to like not be afraid of production because production will always try to like squeeze us to like not spend money. And like sometimes you just have to if that's what you want, you know? Yeah, if that's the shot you want, it's going to cost you this much. Mm-hmm. Those are the cool shots, though. I mean, yeah. that's, I mean that's what I watch movies for. I mean, fire. Like, yeah. I saw John Wick last night. I don't care about the guns. The cars were awesome. Oh, my <laughs> so God. My bikes. dad drove in that. Was it good? It was really good. Oh, really, really up. good. I'm going to yeah. have to yeah. see it. I just saw that he posted yeah. about it on his Instagram, and I was like, oh, that's cool. It's like number one movie yeah. or something right now, I think. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. I yeah. mean, you know, they've done it. They keep teasing us like, it's going to be the last one. It's going to be. It's, yeah. yeah. It's like Fast and Furious so, franchise. Like, when is it ever going to yeah. end? Yeah. You know? They'll be in space. God, I remember planet. when that came out. I'll have an Alien versus Predator, Fast and the Furious crossover. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they did send somebody to space. I know. In the last one. So yeah. yeah. I didn't see the last one, but I worked on this most recent one. You so didn't I'm miss have much. To watch it. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't work on the last one. I did work on number eight though, and I thought number eight. Oh, was cool. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I Very skipped cool. nine. I did like eight and didn't do nine, and now I did ten. So we'll see. Cool. Yeah, have you had wow. a stunt on set go really wrong that you've had to kind of work around? I mean, oh lord, have mercy! There was one job. <laughs> I'm not even going to say what job it was, but there was one job that I did. I was driving a Maserati, right? And here's the thing. So remember when we were talking about e-brakes earlier? Yep. There is a little trick that you can do um, to set up like a like a, a non. What is the word I'm looking for? Like it, it's you're not. It's like it, it doesn't disturb the car. You know, like it's not like a permanent e-brake that you set up, but basically there's mm-hmm. this guy that has like created this like stunt brake is what he calls it. And it's basically like the system that he can like tap into the car for like the day and like you get like a pedal as an e-brake and like it's not intrusive. It's like not intrusive, non-invasive um, for the car. So you don't have to like drill holes, all this stuff, whatever. He just like uses like 3M tape to like keep it down. It's weird. It works really well. It takes a minute to get used to. But anyway... He gets hired for a certain period of time. I've only gotten to use this guy one time. So this is how often this does not happen. He gets hired for the day or whatever his day rate is or his eight hours or whatever. And then he leaves, you know, and that's how he makes his money. Um, We lost him because the production didn't want to keep paying for him. And they were they needed to shoot longer than they anticipated because they waited, you know, waited for light, all this stuff, whatever. And so he basically took the e-brake out of the car when it was time for him to go. And I'd been using this e-brake all day. And I was like, okay, it's fine. Like, I don't have to slide the car anymore. All we had to do was basically drive this Maserati into a brick wall in reverse, right? So I was like, okay, cool. So they were like, but we're going to drive it through boxes instead of a brick wall. And then we're going to make the boxes a brick wall later. And I was like, cool. Because they wanted this very specific shot, right? Well, when he took the e-brake from the car, um, we had to re-bleed the brakes. And the picture car guys rebled the brakes really fast. So there was still air in the system. So sometimes when I was trying to stop, the car didn't really want to stop as well as it should have because the brakes were not bled the way they should have been because we didn't Double have pressing time. the pedal. Yes, because oh. we didn't have enough time, you know, because on set, everything is like time is money, time is money. And so yeah. that was, it could have gone horribly wrong. Could have gone horribly wrong. It didn't. Um, I had a really big scare because I thought that somebody got hurt because I was like 
that person was standing literally right there manning a camera, but they moved out of the way. Nobody got hurt. Camera didn't break, nothing like that. But I was like, that was a lot of noise because all of the boxes were on top of this wooden pallet, which the camera was also on top of the wooden pallet. So I was like, that's a lot of noise. Like I was nervous. And then this man was on the ground, like literally sitting down, like on the ground afterwards when I got out of the car. And I was like, I literally said these brakes are not bled. I mentioned it over the radio like three times. The brakes were not working well on the car. And they were like, we don't have time. We're losing light. And I was like, there goes my career. That's perfect. <laughs> they are brakes. I have yeah. to stop. <laughs> I like, I oh, stop. that's what they're for. Okay. Minor yeah. inconvenience. You can, you can work through it. Yeah. I mean, like, again, everybody was fine. It's a good thing I said it over the radio because everybody was very heads up. But I was like, that could have gone horribly south. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, that literally could have been my career on the line if this man was standing with that camera. If I would have run him over? Are you kidding? Oh, my gosh. Ugh. Yeah. Death by Maserati. No Death kidding. Death by Maserati. Well, I mean, at least it would have been a Maserati, you know? True. But, yeah, True. better than, like, a Nissan Altima. No offense to the Altima drivers out there. <laughs> Which is like, usually yeah. Altima's Chargers G35. Yes, yes, yes. Thank God the 350Zs were not in there because I know we're next on the list. That's right. I was going to ask you about your 350Z because it's no ordinary 350Z. Yeah. It's a 1JZ turbo swap 350Z. It is. Tell me all about your race car and your racing career in general, actually. Let's let's swap uh, careers a little bit. Oh, gosh. Well, my race car, uh, that is a very big example of my hard-headedness, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very big example of my, if he can do it, I can do it syndrome. So um, I got my race car back in 2016 or 2015. It was not supposed to be what it is today. It was supposed to be a 350Z that made good power and had a roll cage in it and an angle kit and all that kind of stuff. Because I was already drifting. I started drifting in 2014 with another 350Z, right? But it was like this clean 350Z. My dad and I went halvesies on it, you know, whatever. It was my car that I was driving back and forth to college when I was in college. And, um, you know, we would just go play with it on the weekends and stuff or whatever. And that's kind of how I got good at sun driving is we would just go on the weekends when I didn't have school to the track and we would learn stuff together. And it was fun, just like motocross used to be. And so once I started getting better at drifting and I wanted to start hitting stuff, because that's what you do when you're drifting, right? You're like hitting cones, hitting other people's doors because you're trying to get closer walls. to them. Yeah, walls, <laughs> like all kinds of stuff, right? Because it's all about proximity. Um mm -hmm. My dad was like, I don't want you to ruin this car because it's a really clean 350Z and like there's no reason to ruin it. And I was like, uh-huh, okay. So now what? How am I supposed to like get better, you know? Like I was like, all my friends want to run into my door and you don't want to let me do that. Like you're not trying to let me be great, right? So um, I was stubborn and I was like, I'm going to buy another car. This is where my, my car cane addiction came from, right? I was like, I'm going to buy another car. So I buy another 350Z. I find a blue one because ours was red. So I was like, perfect. It's the opposite. Never going to get that confused, right? <laughs> I get this stupid blue 350Z. I pick it up from like Hemet, California or something. It was like two and a half hour drive for me. Pick it up, drive it home. The thing's smoking the whole way home. But the car was clean. Like I was like, whatever. Car is smoking the whole way home. Uh, and it drove home fine. I was like, it's just got blown out suspension or whatever. I'll just change it. Who cares? So I get home, uh, immediately start tearing that car apart. Literally, my dad never saw the car with interior. I immediately was taking all the plastic <laughs> out, everything out. Like the car was on jack stands by the time that he got home. I was trying to take the, um, the suspension off. I had never worked on a car a day in my life, aside from taking off wheels, right? So broke every single clip, 
of the plastic. And I had this like pile of plastic right next to our pool because I was working outside because I wasn't allowed to work in the garage because my dad's beloved C7 Corvette was in the garage at the time when we used to live together. And so uh, I was outside under the easy up, just like taking all this plastic out, throwing it. It was getting lost like in the pool and stuff, whatever. And then um, I get to the suspension. <laughs> I get the wheels off the car. I get to the suspension, right? Stripped every single bolt for the suspension on all four corners of the car because I didn't know what I was doing. So I was like, Dad. <laughs> One I, way to learn. Yeah, I was yeah. like, Dad, I think I need your help. He's like, you stripped every single bolt. I don't know how I'm supposed to help you. So I was like, okay, cool. So we're doing like the torch method, trying to heat it. My dad's like, if we get a welder from somebody, I could probably weld on soon to get it off. I was like, oh, Lord, right? So we do all that, right? And I clean the interior up, get it ready for the roll cage and everything. Because I get, I buy this roll cage online and I'm going to have somebody weld it in. I literally had it ordered the day that I got the car. Ordered it to the house, whatever. About a week later, it shows up. Car's prepped, ready, everything. Like strip the paint on the inside, everything for somebody to weld this roll cage in. Uh, we go get the roll cage welded in. I have everything else done by then. I somehow miraculously figured out how to like change my suspension. I did my lower control arms, like did all of this stuff. I just like was watching a lot of YouTube videos and like figuring it out as I was making mistakes. And um, oh, yeah. yeah, I was like, okay, cool. So I take the car to the track for the first time. We're going to work on Jay Leno's garage two days after that. So I was like, okay, cool. I have two days. Like I'll just like, you know, feel the car out, shake it down real quick and I'll be good. My engine seized that day oh. yeah and i was supposed to work on jay leno's garage in that car two days later i was like nice nice yeah yeah so we get the car home my dad's like now what i was like i don't know i was like do i have to do this all over again he's like you could pull the engine and like put a new engine in it i was like you can do that he was like, you can do that. You can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I can watch. Yeah. I'll help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got to go out of town. So like, good luck. Just look up a cherry picker. Hoist. Yeah. He was like, look yeah. up a cherry picker and like, you'll figure it out. And I was like, okay. So I bought an cool. engine hoist from Harbor Freight and a little foldable tool set. Cause I got tired of using like, you know, the random tools that we had at the house. That's when I realized that there were like, you know, the difference between like metric and standard tools and like that kind of thing. I went to Harbor Freight, bought this little like um, foldable toolkit that you keep in the back of your car and an engine hoist. And I was like, "Welp." And I think it took me a week. We borrowed somebody else's car for me to work on Jay Leno's garage. That was the end of the story. Okay, I was but how that yeah, out. no, we didn't. <laughs> that didn't work. And my dad actually. I mean, uh, Jay had to have an engine sitting around somewhere. Dude, I mean, come true, on, I've right? seen the shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but here's the yeah. thing: is like when I went to go test my car that day at the track. Uh, and my engine seized, my dad was like, I'm going to test my car. It was on April Fool's Day, by the way. This was on April 1st, 2017, I think. And um, my dad, my dad's engine got rod knock that same day. Ooh. Yeah, I was like, fantastic. So now we were both supposed to work in both of these cars on Jay Leno's garage in two days at this track. And you got rod knock and my engine seized. And I can't even take my car home is great because we drove our car wow. to the track we weren't towing yeah. them like there were 350z's why would we tow them stock 350z's like for what yeah what's the worst that could happen yeah on your engine seat <laughs> yeah. on, seize, like you know yeah. yeah well i mean it's notoriously a reliable motor yeah yeah just put so, away I mean, it you'll be fine yeah yeah out of curiosity what track were you at i just want to avoid that for future reference <laughs> oh, oh, okay, yeah. right. we oh, okay fair enough the one with fair all enough the walls yeah and everything all the way the yeah. right, that one 
Don't yeah. go there. Fair enough. Fool's day. <laughs> Fair now, enough. every day, April Fool's Day, I just sit in my house. I don't do anything. I'm free every April anywhere. Fool's Day. <laughs> so, anyway. so how did the one Jay-Z swap come around? Oh, yeah, God. See. Okay, so I finally, I finally decided, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to swap this engine, right? So I buy another VQ, U35. I find it on Craigslist, right? Buy it from this kid. Get the engine, literally borrow my friend's truck, put it in the back of the truck. We bring it back to my house. I was like, we're ready. So we go to put the engine in the car, put the engine in the car, driving it around for like a week, make sure nothing happens to it before I take it to the track again, right? Drive it to the track. Again, no trailer, because I didn't have a trailer, didn't have a truck. I was like, cool, like no problem. Drive it to the track, and I start trying to drift it, and I was like, why can't I drift this car? My friend's like, what do you mean? I was like, it's so hard to drift this thing. They're like, oh, you're just not used to it. You know, it's a different setup. You got like wider wheels, lower control arms are heavier. You know, you have a roll cage in the car. Just like step on it. I was like, it's really not drifting. Like, I really don't understand. I've been drifting for like three and a half years now. And like, I don't know what's going on. Um, The engine had low compression and I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. And now you do. Yeah, I do now. <laughs> so I was like. Knowing is half the battle. It's like G.O. Joe used to say. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Dude. Yeah, so I was like, dang, I just like spent like two weeks of my life trying to get this thing running. He's like, well, you got it running. I was like, yeah, but it's got low compression. He's like, you didn't know that. Sort I was of. like, so now what? He's like, pull it again. I was like, I'm not putting another VQ in here, dude. He's like, what are you going to do? I was like, I want a 1JZ. And he was like, I've always wanted to do a 1JZ swap in a 350Z. I was like, let's do it then. And he was like, it hasn't been done for a reason. And I was like, I'm sure we can do it. I got a Harbor Freight foldable tool thing. Yeah, can do this. yeah I mean, come on. <laughs> I can do another one. We'll do it. Yeah. Like, how hard can it be, right? So I got in touch with um with Collins Garage, these people that make, like, adapter plates and stuff or whatever, and they made me my adapter plate. And Just going to ask that. Yep, yeah. yeah, they made me my adapter plate for the CD transmission that I have, you know, from the stock 350Z. The one Uh JZ, and I was like, okay, cool. Now I got to figure out like a clutch situation, you know. Leaned on my friends very heavily for this because I didn't know what I was doing. Mind you, I literally just bought my first foldable tool set from Harbor Freight. Wasn't this is this is no joke? Yeah, did not even have a toolbox yet. I was working under an easy up outside dog. Like that was it, you know. I was like, okay, cool. Like we're gonna try to do this. And so swapping the car took me probably like I think six months. To like do everything, that's, yeah, that's pretty good. From where you started to a full like mm-hmm. Toyota One JZ swap into a Nissan, that's actually really impressive. Yeah, yeah. And I talked to wiring specialties, got them to make me a wiring harness. But initially, when I ordered my One JZ, I had um, a One JZ from a JZX One Ten, so it came from a JZX One Ten, right? Then that company tells me, hey, this engine has low compression, so we're going to refund you. I was like, oh, no. Okay, I don't want one with low compression. Seems to be a pattern. Yeah, I was like, I don't want one with low compression. I've dealt with that before. Thanks for saving me. So then I ordered another Jay-Z. At the time, it was really hard to find a one Jay-Z front sump VVTI engine. I really wanted a non-VVTI because that's like it doesn't have variable valve timing. Um, and it's a little more simplistic and I just wanted that because it was twin turbo and I was just like, I've always wanted a twin turbo or something. You know what I mean? So (laughs) two is always better than one. Yeah. Like like double the amount to go wrong, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I ended up with a VVTI even though I wanted a non VVTI and it was just hard to find a front sump one Jay-Z for some reason. They came front and rear sump. So anyway, I got one from a Jay-Z X 100 
instead of a JZX 110. And wiring specialties had already started on my harness for the 110. And I needed one for a 100 now. So I was like, uh-huh. I don't know anything hey. about wiring. And like, now I'm probably going to cry because I don't know what I'm going to do. So we had to like block off all this weird random stuff that the 110 came with that the 100 wasn't advanced enough with yet and all that kind of stuff. So it gave me problems for a really long time, just like trying to figure all of that out. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, definitely a learning curve, definitely a learning curve. And then like later on in life, as I got better at working on cars, I like realized a lot of things that I like should not have done initially. So I ended up re-pulling my engine. Um, That's every project. (laughs) Yeah. So I ended up like pulling my engine and I was like, okay, I'm going to like redo everything. And so, um, I did that right before my 24th birthday. And for some reason I only gave myself like a week to re like to redo my entire listen i did everything i got the car painted did a new livery got a new turbo got it tuned pulled my engine new injectors bigger fuel pump like everything literally within a week it was stupid it's the most entertaining video that i have on my youtube channel i'm never gonna listen to somebody say oh i can't do that i'm like uh i got a story for you (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah, like I said, my race car is a very is like literally the prime example of my stubbornness because I'm like, if he can do it, I can do it. Yeah, your dad must be really proud though. That's a really cool relationship to have with your daughter and see you coming up in the industry and doing it on your own. I mean, I, you say the nepotism thing all the time, but like you said, you got to do the work. Yeah, you do. So that's pretty cool. Thanks. How was he? How was he when you sat down and you said, "I want to be a stunt car driver"? Because every dad wants to protect their kid. You know, my dad like. Kind of like, I don't know, it was kind of interesting how it happened. So, like, my dad never like pushed me into it, like a lot of people think. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, he's been training for her for this since she was born. I mean, subliminally, yes, but like, not really. Because my dad <laughs> didn't really make us do anything that we didn't want to do, right? So, my brother, on the other hand, my brother, loads of natural talent. Oh my gosh. My brother was faster than me on a dirt bike by the time that he was four and I was seven. And I'd been racing, like, I was already racing for a year, and, like, I'd been riding since I was three, and this kid is four years younger than me, right? And my brother, loads of natural talent, but he just didn't care. He just didn't really want to ride like that, um, because he was good at it, like, immediately, and he didn't want to practice, and my dad wouldn't make him. My dad didn't really make us do stuff that we didn't want to do. Same thing, like, my brother would, like, drop out of every sport that we tried, like, karate, he was good at karate, and then he didn't like the teacher, so he dropped out. My brother was great at gymnastics and didn't like the teacher, so he dropped out. He has a problem with authority figures, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah, wasn't didn't like the gymnastics teacher, so he ended up dropping out. I stuck with gymnastics. I did gymnastics for 13 years competitively. Uh, I did karate for a while, kickboxing, like all kinds of things. So like when we didn't want to do something, my dad didn't really make us do that. I was actually just having this conversation with my partner last night because I, I cannot cook. I do not belong in a kitchen. They literally asked me to drain the water out of the tofu last night, and I cried because I crushed the tofu, and I thought the dinner was ruined. <laughs> it had it coming. <laughs> so, it deserved yeah, it. Yeah, and, like, one other so, time yeah. they asked me to, like, help them make pizza dough because they were doing something at their house, and, like, I was like, yeah, sure, I can help. And they came back upstairs from their basement, and I was literally in tears on the phone with my mom over this stupid pizza dough because I couldn't make the pizza dough, like, work the way that it was supposed to. 
I don't belong in a kitchen by any means unless if it's like making coffee. I literally can't do anything else. <laughs> I tried to put a 2JC in the pizza and it didn't work. And then, you know, so. Yesterday they were like messing with my garbage disposal because my garbage disposal was like broken. And I was like, why do you not let me do that? Why can't you cook the tofu? Like, yeah. I don't, don't want to do this. I'm going to burn that Stick to now. your swim lane. Yeah. You stay here. I stay here. Yeah. It works. Oh my yeah. Gosh, pretty much. But anyway, uh, where the funny. heck was I going with that? Um. <laughs> Man, yeah, I just, my dad didn't make us do stuff that we didn't want to do. You know, he wasn't like pushing us to do that. So I think that like, when it came to stunt driving, when I got my first job with Creed, it came up like really randomly, it was really weird. And, you know, once I started driving, my dad was like, I kind of think you'd be good at this just because of your motocross background. And like, I know you do really well under pressure because of racing with you your entire life and like watching you race. I know you do well under pressure. And I personally think that this is something that you would be good at, but you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. I'm just telling you, I think you'd be good at it. So if you want to, you know, I'm here and we can try it, but you don't have to. And I was like, eh, I mean, I'm having fun going to the track and like, you know, whatever. Like, we'll just see what happens. I, it's not going to do anything but make me a better driver. So screw it. Like, you know, yeah. we'll just go have fun. We're having fun hanging out at the track together. And I'm learning a new skill and I like learning. I'm a, I'm a sponge, um, much like tofu. And so, uh, yeah, I was like, unless you crush it, which like, obviously <laughs> yeah. I crush under the pepper, uh, under the pressure in the kitchen, clearly. Absolutely. But, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, That's... I was like, yeah, I like learning. So, you know, whatever I'll do it. And it was a way for me to spend time with my dad. And it was when I first moved out to California, I'm from New Jersey. And so okay. when I moved okay. to California for college, my dad was flying back and forth just to like, make sure I was good. You know, and so when he would come, we'd be able to like go to the track and train together and stuff like that. So it was a, it was an excuse for him to come more often and for me to spend more time with him. So I was like, yeah, sure, you know, whatever. So eventually, you know, like after Creed came out, the phone started ringing and it kind of never stopped. And I was just like, uh, this is cool. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, I mean, stunts don't take up that much of my time because I I'm not doing it every single day of the week because there's just literally not enough work for me in that sense. You know, because like. How many times do they need a black girl in a car in a movie? Like, you know what I mean? Like, every day of the week, that's a little bit much. Taraji Henson must be busy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, <laughs> like, I was like, okay, like, they don't need me to do this all the time. And if I'm not available to do the job because I'm doing something else and all I have to say is I'm not available. So, like, it would be kind of dumb for me to not do it. So, I was. And, um, you know, I just would take jobs if I was comfortable taking them. If, I said, if it sounded like something I wanted to do, something I was going to be good at, I was like, yeah, sure. And initially, I thought I was doing people favors because these stunt coordinators that I've known since I was a kid were like, hey, I could really use you to like do this, you know, because I don't have somebody else that I can call. Are you available? And I was like, yeah, I could skip class for a day, whatever, you know, and so I would. <laughs> and so I kind of thought of it as like doing people favors for the longest time. And then I realized that like I wasn't doing favors and I kind of built myself a career once I got too busy for school to like be like because I was doing stunts like I like when I. Black Panther, the first one, is when I actually ended up dropping out of school because I was, um, I was wondering. yeah, I was actually in South Korea and I was doing school online in Academy of Art University because I switched from one college to another. I was a filmmaking major with uh, understudy of photography. So um, I was monitoring in photography and majoring in filmmaking. And um, yeah, I, I was on Black Panther. My dad was like, please stop doing your school right now. Like he's like, like we're literally in another country we're like 11 hours ahead of them or something you know he's like and you're in the middle of like trying to do finals when we're like literally on set 
you know, he's like, I need you to like, just like breathe and like, just be here and focus on this. Cause you have somebody on the roof of your car and if you crash, they're going to die. I was like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that yeah. you're probably right. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, you might be right about that. So, um, yeah, I was like, I can go back to school whenever. So like, very few parents would be like, would you just put down the homework and please come drive this car back? Right. Thank yeah. You. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. So uh, my dad was like, you know, he's like, you can go back to school whenever. He's like, I'm paying for your school. You can go back to school when you're 50 years old for all I freaking care. You know, like he was like, just put it down for right now. You can reenlist, you know, you can like go back and re-sign up for your semesters and stuff or whatever. He's like, you can do that whenever you want. You know, if for some reason you decide you don't want to do stunts anymore or something. We can put you back in school. It's not a big deal. But right now, I just need you to focus on this so you don't hurt anybody. I was like, yeah, all right, cool. So, um, <laughs> yeah, hey. yeah, yeah. I kind of just if you got, insist, like, Dad. Yeah, yeah I kind of just got busy with it, and like my dad never like pushed me to do it, and never, you know, never like stressed me out in that way. He's like, hey, I mean, if you want to do it, then you do it. He's like, and if you don't want to do it anymore, then just don't, you know, either don't answer the phone or tell him you're not available. Not that big of a deal. Yeah. And so that's kind of the way that I think about it too. Is like as much as I would eventually like to like start a family and everything in my life, I'm like, you know, stunts, I grew up in a stunt family, you know, like my dad was on and off, like going in and out of town all the time, working with a minute's notice, you know? And, um, it was hard growing up. And I kind of think about that for myself later, you know, if I'm going to like start a future and have a family and stuff, but I'm like, I don't have to always take jobs, you know? Yeah. So well, I was, you've talked about it a couple of times in the show. So I wanted to ask you about it. You said there's not, not a lot of roles for a black girl in a car. and But now we're seeing more and more diversity in casting, which is great. Mm -hmm. I mean, finally. Yeah. Um, and they're really good characters. They're not just typecast into a whole, like, oh, we got to fill the fill the spot because we don't have enough diversity in the film. Mm -hmm. Now they're actually, like, really good roles and good characters. Do you find yourself getting more and more and more work because of that? You know, I did um, for a really long time. I think after the first Black Panther came out, I got extremely busy and then COVID hit, and then I didn't work for, like, three months right. or so, yeah. uh, maybe four. And then I know that I was one of the stunt performers that actually started working pretty early on after COVID, which was, like, kind of crazy. And then um, I think, yeah, I was working, like, quite a bit. And then right now in Los Angeles, boy, it's quiet. It's so quiet here right now. It's, like, weird. <laughs> like, all the other stunt performers that I'm talking to and stuff, people are like, I haven't worked this year yet. I'm like... That's crazy. Cause like, you know, we work like, I think on average, I probably work like two weeks out of every month or so. And it's just been quiet here. It's just been weird. Like, I think the writers are about to go on a strike too. And there's just not a lot of work uh. in Los Angeles, which is fine. Cause like we fly to go wherever we have to work. But it's just been like a quiet year, but overall, yes, like a lot more work for sure. I've definitely been a lot busier than I had been before, which has been very weird for me to adjust to. Um, but I don't mind it, obviously. I'm like, call me, take me somewhere, tell me where to go. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, you've certainly, I mean, you must get um, at least some girls looking up to you, too. Like, there's, you're a whole new part of the industry is, is emerging because we're seeing more and more women in motorsports as well, as we've talked in, at length on this show about. As we had all, all, all Women's Month, it was easy. They're like, oh, we need women guests on the show for Women's Month. That was like, that was no problem. We had a backlog for months because nice. there's so many more now. It's great. Yeah. Um, have you gotten a lot of fan mail or uh, kids looking, reaching out to you and stuff? Do you run into girls and they're just like, wow, you know, I can do that too? You know, it's interesting because, like, this is something we actually talked about on the panel during the women's cruising for the month of March at Peterson the other day. And mm -hmm. um, I think that for me, like, I kind of always 
I learned to ignore the difference between gender. I think just because I grew up in a lot of male dominated sports. And then like, I feel like I've always been a girl in a boy's world for most of my life. So it's something that I kind of learned how to ignore for a while. And now, like, honestly, the movies are what's getting me. Like, I, like, when I realized that I was crying during the first Black Panther, because I was like, wow, we finally have, like, representation. And then, like, when we had the whole thing about having, like, an African-American princess, like, I, that was, like, a big deal for me. You know what I mean? And, like, I was, I remember mm-hmm. I had a huge opinion on it, like, this very heavy opinion um, with, you know, all the discussion about it and everything. And... I think that's when it finally clicked for me because for so long when like younger girls would tell me like, you know, or like somebody like a parent or something would be like, Oh, I just want her to meet you. So she has somebody to look up to and blah, 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 whatever. I was like, I didn't have anybody to like look up to. So you don't need that. You know, like I was like, you don't need that. And like, I feel like when you have somebody to look up to, I personally didn't like looking up to somebody because then I had the awful habit of comparing myself to them, you know, and comparing myself to their timeline and how things went for them. And I would always constantly feel like I was behind, you know, like I was like, oh, man, like I haven't done this by the time that I'm 24. I haven't done this by the time that I'm this old or whatever. Um, so I always thought that it was like really important to just kind of like set standards for yourself and try to chase that on your own and not necessarily have somebody to look up to. But I kind of get it now. Like, I'm like, oh, you know, like now I'm like, oh, I see, you know, it makes sense to me. But I think just like the time frame that I grew up in, it didn't like match you know, because we didn't have women in yeah. motorsports like that. And I was just like, what do you mean? Yeah, like, of course, boys make race motocross. Like, girls don't race motocross. I got made fun of for it every single day in school. You know? That's funny. And was, yeah, we were talking to Michelle Mouton, and she actually had a, said a similar thing. She was like, I was just faster, going to be faster in the car next to me. She didn't even, like, the the male-female conversation didn't even come up. She was just like, I'm just going to, their time is this. My time needs to be faster than that. Here I go. Yeah, pretty <laughs> so much. I was like, huh. Good outlook. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's literally how it is. And it was like the same thing for me with racing. Like, I was just like, I need to cross the finish line first. That's it. Very you cool. know, like, and like the cool thing about motorsports is like your vehicle doesn't understand gender, you know? And that's like yeah. one of the very few things that we have in this life that like does not get, like does not understand the difference between gender, you know? And it doesn't make a difference if you're a boy or if you're a girl. It like literally doesn't matter. Um, which is what I think is so cool about it. So like, for me, I'm like, why don't we have more women in motorsports? I'm like, we all have power tools. You know what I mean? You don't have to be like big and strong to break like bolts loose. You know what I mean? I'm like, put some WD-40 on that. Go make yourself a coffee and come back. Yeah, like, like, an expensive that, impact. That's a bumper sticker waiting to happen right there. Yeah. So, <laughs> put some WD-40 on it, get some coffee and come yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Much. So, what kind of fun stuff do you have coming up? I mean, I know you can't talk a lot about your projects, obviously, that you're doing, but I mean, you know, what's what's in the future for you? Um, I'm trying to build a SEMA car. That's what the that's what T to Z is going to be. Is going to be a SEMA car. Um, so I'm really excited for that. I really need to get on it though, to be honest with you, because it's the end of March right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but thankfully, I'm trying not to overwhelm myself. I'm trying to be really nice to myself with that car and trying to give myself all the time that I need to work on it and trying not to like put myself in a position of SEMA crunch because of what that car means to me. Cause it's got such an emotional backstory, just like yeah. really quick for anybody that didn't get to read the magazine. Um, I pretty much purchased that car on October 29th, 2021. And I FaceTimed my best friend and I was like, dude, like, this is how we're going to go to SEMA. Like this is, I'm going to build this car. It's going to be a SEMA car. 
And um, I had wanted a 280Z since I was in high school. And she knows that because she's known me for a lot of, for a very long time. And so I told her, I was like, dude, like, I can't believe it. I got one. It's orange, just like I wanted when I was in high school. And like, I'm like so excited. And so she named the car T for Tangerine. Her name is Tierra. Um, so I thought that she named it T for Tierra, but it was actually T for Tangerine because the car was orange. And so she was really excited. And we, the two of us started trying to talk about what I was going to do to this car to build it for SEMA. And she was supposed to come and help me build it. But the night of the 29th slash the morning of the 30th, uh, she actually ended up passing away in a car accident, like a really horrific car accident. And um, so I've always felt like now I have to like build that car as a tribute for her. And so every time that I go to work on the car, I get really emotional and like I cry a lot when I'm working on it. So um, yeah, it's been difficult for me to work on it. Hence why I've only done like the disc brake upgrade on the car. And like I, you know, put some new seats in the car because that was something that I really, it didn't take me a long time to do it. I physically had to take out like four bolts on each side and put four bolts in on the other side, you know? Seats look really good, by the Thank way. Thank you. You know, very, I love the Recaros. very exciting yeah. thing about that is the seats are actually rewrapped in vegan leather because Tierra was a really big animal lover. She would like be the girl that would find like a, a hurt duckling on the side of the street and like bring it into her kitchen and like try to bring it back to health, you know? So um, I felt like vegan leather was appropriate. So the whole car's interior is going to be rewrapped in vegan leather eventually. But um, I picked a vegan leather right now that matches the interior of the car just to give myself some more time, you know, to like get to the whole interior and take the whole interior apart and everything like that. Because uh, like I said, it's like an emotional experience every time that I work on it, you know. So it's been a, a slow burn, but I'm excited for the things that I'm trying to do. And I think that the way that I'm setting myself up is going to be definitely for success. Cause I'm telling myself that I'm building this car in stages. So like stage one is going to be my first year of going to SEMA. And then I'll have another reason to take it to SEMA the next year. Cause it'll be in a different phase of its life. You know what I mean? Um, rather than just trying to strip the car down to nothing and do everything all at once and spend all of the money my bank account. I was say, as long time. as you got a week, you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> all all SEMA oh builds are, are supposed to, you're supposed to finish the SEMA build at like 12.01 the day before it has to go into the convention. Yeah. No. And while I mean, it's in the trailer, easy. you're hiding in yeah, the back working on it. Listen, no, I have had one friend that has been pushing their car into SEMA every single year, and I refuse. I refuse. I want this car to be so reliable that I could drive it from California to Vegas to then drop it off at SEMA. That's how reliable I want this car to be. And I am hoping for that by the time that SEMA week comes about. I'm hoping the car runs and drives right now. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm obviously going to take that engine out just for funsies and do stupid stuff for funsies. And then, you know, of course, yeah, why not? Why wouldn't I, you know, is yeah. it really a SEMA build yeah, if you, you cry over it? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you got to bleed too. I was going to say, I usually you gotta cry because I'm you gotta bleeding. Cry. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, you have yeah. to have a reason. You have Slip to have a story. <laughs> if yep. it's not a story and you're not like emotional and like sleep deprived by the time that SEMA week comes up, like, did you actually even build the SEMA card? No. No. Oh yeah, we get at, every time. Every time SEMA rolls around, there's always somebody asking in the Avance page. Does anybody have a trailer? I still need to get to SEMA. I built the car, but I forgot I have to get there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. every time. That did happen this year. Yeah, I know the well, car. Yeah, the year. Lamborghini. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, that yeah. wide body Lamborghini. No, yep. not the Lamborghini. <laughs> didn't fit. Come on, it no. didn't fit in the trailer. So it was like somebody was like, "Do you have like a like heavy equipment trailer we can borrow? Because it will it won't fit in a normal. They did Flat a wide body Aventador. No. Yeah." They didn't fit any trailers, so they needed a heavy equipment trailer because it was only wide enough to hold it. Oh, my God. Like, the thing they put those little houses on where they're dragging the houses yeah. down the highway? Shut up. I'm crying. Or one of those giant uh, excavators, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my so. God. That's horrible. Open trailer all over the <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I'm crying. That's horrible. 
Mm-mm-mm. No, yep. I refuse to push my cars. I can't do it. I'm like, I, as long as they run, it's okay, you know. But I, I, I refuse meant to, be to push cars. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to, to drive them, but like a lot of the times I'm by myself, and I'm like, I'm not pushing it. My driveway's on a steep hill to get into my garage. I'm not pushing this car. It's not happening. It's either in the garage on jack stands until it's running, or that's it. Like it's, it's not being pushed. That's a really good necessity as a as a car person is buy a, ca- a house on a hill and therefore your cars have to run. You can't get them back in the garage. Yeah, yeah. That's or smart. you can't. Good for you. The clutch going down. Yeah. Well, I know. Yes, that can get it started going down. It's getting it back up. Yeah, yeah. So. it's true. Yeah, yep. And you got to make sure that your car is running like reliably before you drive it out of the garage. Because if not, you're not going to be able to get it back in. Yeah, that never happens for me. I drive a British car, so doesn't work. Never. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my poor roommate, yeah. she always has to deal with me at like 2 o'clock in the morning. I remember I was putting my motorcycle exhaust on one time, and I had to get my motorcycle onto the center stand, and it was like my first time working on like a street motorcycle, and it's like a cafe racer style motorcycle, so it's freaking heavy, and I was like trying to put it like not on the kickstand on the side, but like on the center stand, and we could not, oh my god, we spent like 15 minutes trying to get it up on the center stand <laughs> together, and she's like, Girl, it's two o'clock in the morning. I gotta go. I was like, I understand. I'm sorry. <laughs> what are you? What are you riding? What bike is it? Uh, it's a Royal Enfield Interceptor 650. Oh, oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, just that. Okay. Yeah. Something simple. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And light. Yeah. <laughs> Man, those things yeah. are heavy. I fell over on that uh, yeah. time. Yeah. Oh my god, it was so embarrassing. I was in the front of my house because, again, like I said, my driveway is on a hill right before my garage. So I keep it in my garage. Pulled it out of my garage and I was like, okay, cool. Like I had all these cars in the all these cars in the driveway. This was the problem. I had to move it around all these cars in the driveway. I was like, okay, if I go on the grass a little bit, I could ride it off the sidewalk to like get onto the street. I'd done it before. That's how I got it into the garage. So I went to go do that. But the problem was was as soon as I got on the on the grass, because it had rained that morning, it was wet and I slipped. And so I was in front of my house. On the, like literally like on the side like yeah literally like I was like oh my gosh I'm literally like stuck right now my neighbor was like do you need help I was like nope because I need to be able to pick up the bike by myself in case this happens to me on the street you know like I was like if I like if I do this I literally need to be able to pick this bike up I shouldn't have bought it if I can't pick it up right man I spent like 25 minutes so much of my gas literally like dripped out of my tank I had filled up yeah. my tank before I like had taken my car and my motorcycle into my garage initially. And I had like half a tank by the time I finally got it back up on its stand. <laughs> but you learned something. I did. <laughs> yeah. You know what I learned? Yeah, the backward squat. But yes, I learned that. I was yep. like, pulling is not working. So I looked it up on YouTube. After a while, I just got tired. I was like, you know what? I'm going to sit down and look this up on YouTube. I found this lady. She was like some five foot one blonde lady. She looked like she was about 47 years old or something. And she picked up a Harley. I was like, How? So I watched her video and I was like, oh, okay, I could probably do that. It took me a minute to like figure out how to do it, but I got it. I was like, fall again, fall again, go for it. I'll pick you up. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) You're over there like pushing it over just in case. Yeah, just in case. Yeah, no kidding. Just in case. Mm -mm -mm. All right. Well, it has been great. It's been, we've been, I've been really looking forward to this. I liked the article. I liked everything I saw, and I love your Instagram. Thanks. You post cool stuff all the time. Uh, we will be following, admiring from a distance all your work. So thank you for taking the time to meet with us. Yeah, absolutely. Great meeting you. Thank you, guys. I had a lot of fun. Sorry I talked so much. No, it's great. You have <laughs> that's, great stories. That's sort of the point of a podcast. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> Our listeners it, it would like be kind of weird if you didn't. So yeah. uh, we're going to count it. Yeah, yeah. imagine I was like, those. yeah, I started racing when I was three. You guys would be like, so yep. how 
Why'd you stick cool. with it? I'd be like, <laughs> cool. Fun. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We've had the, the ending. joke. It's the, happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, I started registering this theory. It was cool. Why'd you stop? Hurt myself. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. Oh, that's right. Those are fun shows. No. <laughs> How do you make that last for an hour? Oh, <laughs> uh, we shorten it. Yeah. We speed it up. Yeah. We add a lot of our own commentary. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Man, that is yeah. rough. Well, I'm glad that wasn't the And case. then as soon as the show stops, they're just nonstop. Shut as soon as up. the light turns off, they're just like, Argh! we're like, what on earth? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Gracious. Yeah. I can't. Some people just freeze. Oh, just, that you know. sucks. That sucks so much. It's a headset. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, we were live in front of an audience. That's always more oh, fun. Yeah, but yeah. No. Oh, my God. I yeah. can't. I can't do it. Oh, yeah. We've been doing it a while. We've had it all. So. Oh, my goodness. So, Well, uh, Dan said, we thank you for doing this. Uh, we look forward to watching your career just blossom, and I'm going to now go whack back and watch a bunch of movies to be like, hey, I know her. <laughs> yep, exactly. So, yeah. And uh, to follow you, uh, Instagram the best way? Helmet yeah, hair? Yeah, helmet hair. But you know what? I actually have this other Instagram. It's called brelynch.irl, like Bree Lynch in real life. Um, and I'm on that okay. one a lot more often, to be honest, because the helmet hair stuff, like that audience is so very specific on what they want to see. And um, I'm a lot funnier on my other account, to be honest with you. So <laughs> it's a lot more. We'll real. see. Real life. We'll see. Oh, you will know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, that little buzz was me following. <laughs> yeah. So there it is. Perfect. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. Excellent. All right. Well, we appreciate it. For this uh, episode of the Avance Podcast, as always, I'm Nick. I'm Dan. And don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.